1: guest today on the A Game Podcast is Tim Kalis. He is a business wizard. He raised over $350 million in his early 20s and since then actually saw patterns. He's a guy I love looking at, somebody who actually studies things and sees those indicators because he actually shut down his fund and turned out a billion dollar line of credit that he could have worked on because he thought something was cra- crazy was coming down the pipeline and people said he was crazy and he wound up being 100% right and pulled that parachute right before it turned into a disaster for him. So he was able to get in, get out, get paid, and then roll that into a fitness enthusiast and start owning gyms and really building other businesses. He teamed up with Alex Ramosi, who everybody knows now, and he was the number two behind Gym Launch and a bunch of other really successful seven and eight and nine-figure businesses, work with some billionaires. I mean, the guy's been connected to everybody. So he's usually the guy behind the guy for a lot of these things that you probably don't even realize he's part of. And that's why I love having some of these little secret formulas coming in, like the, he's the special sauce in a lot of these recipes for success. And I love being able to come on and meet a guy who especially is from Long Island. So- working and helping businesses make more money, make decisions. We talk a lot about the timing, the market, what makes people successful. And after working with so many business owners and entrepreneurs and investors, what's the thing he sees right off the bat that's a common denominator for people that are successful, for the people that are not, and what separates the... The, you know, the rock stars from the all-stars from the hall of famers, like the Alex Ramosis and stuff. So he said some really interesting things that I took away that I'm actually going to listen to this one again soon. And I'm going to implement some of these things right away for my business because I thought they were extremely important for somebody listening to jump in the game right now for business and real estate and an evolving, changing market. You don't want to make the wrong moves and you don't want to make no moves. So having the information, having a sounding board, having the analysis paralysis, be able to be taken off the table. I think there's a lot of really, really great points we build here for anybody starting or scaling your business, whether it's real estate, tech, apps, marketing, whatever it might be. This is a great episode with something for everybody. And I thought this gentleman has a ton of experience and a really, really good uh, bunch of notches in his professional belt for things that he's accomplished and people he's helped make a lot of money for. So definitely don't sleep on this episode. Connect with him. He can help you for any business owner in any shape and size. He gives you ways to connect with him. So please do so. And for us. To have amazing guests like this, we just ask that you go on nicknicknick.com slash links, L-I-N-K-S. When you subscribe to this podcast, please leave a five-star review, share it, support it. That's really all we're doing. We're 250 episodes plus, and we have some amazing guests that are coming back on. I apologize for anybody that uh, didn't see any episodes for the last couple of weeks. I had laryngitis, and things were a little crazy, so we took a little bit of a small hiatus. We did some replays, but we are back in business, and we got a really strong uh, Arsenal coming up for the next few months now of solid guests that you guys are going to be blown away with. So they're more than happy to come on because they want some exposure and they want to be able to help you guys know that they're making an impact. So please let them know by sharing this podcast, subscribing to this podcast. And when we're scrolling on social media, everybody's doing that anyway. Just please hit the like button share the post, comment on the post, put a little fist bump, something on there. So the great guests like Tim, when they see that we're posting the clips from this podcast, they know that people are seeing it and appreciating it and they want to come back on and keep spreading the love and the support for you guys to be able to have a great financial 365 days so that is the tuition for the show for these amazing guests is just please like subscribe and share so they know that they're impacting your life in some positive way uh, you will see all the ways to connect with the show and myself on slash links and also i want to do real estate deals together please send me a message through the app 516-540-573 is a direct text line just text the word real estate and we can either have deals that i can sell you deals you can sell me or we can find a way to have a conversation to see how we can even work together if you're not sure but that's really the ticket here is let's get some deals under the belt whether you're new experience whatever it might be let's figure out how we can make money together and of course last but certainly not least go to nicknicknick.com slash bigger pockets for a free checklist on how to bring more value to your buyers if you are a real estate agent wholesaler broker whatever it might be free checklist there for you guys as well i also want to say uh Congratulations to Raging Ally quinte Got his brown belt today at Jiu Jitsu. Guy is definitely a black belt. He just doesn't have the belt actually yet because he hasn't been shown up to the geek class enough. But now that he's there, uh man, that guy is just an absolute stud, uh, a professional athlete on every level and a professional in business and real estate and everything. Man, I I'm inspired, inspired by that guy every single day. Just his uh his humbleness, his ability to learn. The way he even trains and rolls like no ego behind any of it he's just looking to better himself every day and surround himself with people that can help him get there and uh just a privilege and an honor to be there today to watch him get that promotion from matt sarah who another guy that we just both like love and respect thank you so much for supporting this podcast thank you so much for uh just everybody out there i hope everybody's having a good day hug the people in your life because you never know when uh, it might be the last time so i try and treat everybody with love and respect because you never know who needs it that day and uh anybody who needs little words of encouragement, take it today, take a hug, pass on some positivity, make somebody's day and tell them to go out and make sure that they do the same. And hopefully we can help make the world a better place. Thank you guys so much for listening. Appreciate everybody. A Game Podcast, ladies and gentlemen, have a great day. All right, my guest today is a serial entrepreneur and athlete as well as a business coach and advisor who went from a former fund manager who raised over $300 million in his 20s, turned fitness enthusiast, and now has worked alongside some of the greatest entrepreneurs and CEOs today, including being one of the brains behind Gym Launch with the now social media famous Alex Hermozzi. He now focuses on helping you grow your business, learn from his mistakes, and have someone in your corner to help you shorten the learning curve and find financial freedom with less bumps and bruises along the way to make your business more valuable. He has worked with technology companies, service-based businesses, and many others to help build products, systems, and operations to create more value and profit for the last 20 years. He is a fellow a Long Island guy, so I always love hearing those success stories. As well as a husband, a father, and more importantly, he is today's guest on the A Game Podcast. Please welcome Tim Kalise.
0: Oh, thank you very much, Nick, for having me. Appreciate it,
1: dude. I'm really excited to talk to you. So, um, I've, I've been doing a little bit of digging and research on you for a little bit. But for people that have not been familiar with you yet, can you give a little bit of a thirty thousand foot view of your background of who you are and where you came from?
0: Yeah, so my name is Tim Kalise, uh, a native New Yorker. Uh, went from there to uh, the finance industry and uh, had the opportunity to uh, build a fairly sizable uh, investment management business in my early 20s uh, that we took from basically zero to $350 million of ma- uh, assets under management. And being an athlete, uh, went from there to uh, spending a lot of time in fitness and technology. Uh, and most recently uh, was alongside Alex and uh, the executive team over at gym launch uh, and just a serial entrepreneur. I've done this a half a dozen times. I've bumped my head along the way quite a few times. And so learn, learned some lessons. I've got the bruises uh, to to show for it. Uh, and other than that, I, uh, I just love the process by which you take an idea, make it into something, bring it to market uh, and make it, uh, make it valuable for others uh, who, who, uh, uh, who can gain from your expertise, your experience, your product, whatever it might be. So that's my creative genius, if you will.
1: Awesome, man. Well, I love it. And I think there's a lot of really interesting things that uh, make you interesting as well as successful that people can benefit from. And one of them being, I I, I was reading and listening to you talk about how you basically shut down your fund in around 2007. Because you like to study patterns and stuff. And what you saw with some data telling you that things were going to go a little bit south in the near future, and so you pulled away. And I think that's extremely timely for a million different variations we can talk about now. But can you talk a little bit about some of the patterns you saw and the things that you noticed or recognized that gave you some red flags of maybe totally switching that direction? And then I want to talk about, like, the mindset of just shutting something like that down and rebuilding on top of that as well.
0: Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, history repeats itself. And I'm a big believer, especially as an entrepreneur. It even a, a great entrepreneur with a great idea can't face the headwinds of a bad environment. And what I mean by that, and yes, you know, great companies have been founded in in you know recessions and things like that. Uh, but if there's a mismatch, if if the market isn't there, uh, if you are selling you know a certain product when nobody wants to buy, obviously you're going to have a really tough time. And so at that point in my career, I had just crisscrossed the country, spent about three and a half, almost three and a half years, literally every waking moment I had building, putting my heart and in, in soul into building this company. Uh, and what we saw, this was kind of right around the time where, you know, the mortgage crisis uh, started to, to show itself, um, you know, defaults in, in all day, Uh, And Ben Bernanke famously in the spring came on and said, you know, this is going to be contained. Nobody worry. Uh, And we just saw such a different environment boots on the ground. Uh, And our fund took a an approach of basically going long and short on stocks. So that means you can bet that some companies stock prices will go up and some prices will come down. And you basically hopefully kind of each one moves in the right direction. And at that time, there was just such a disconnect between kind of fundamental uh, fundamental forces that we were used to seeing in the market. And this disconnection, we just couldn't play the game right. Uh, and so when I say, you know, kind of standing in those headwinds, we had done a phenomenal job over the about you know three or four years prior of protecting our investors capital, of making sound investment decisions. And in order to participate, we kind of had to throw our own rule book out the window to play the game. And we felt like that wasn't the right thing to do. It, was, it wasn't it was our fiduciary responsibility. Uh, and quite frankly, it just didn't feel right. Uh, you know, you, you kind of do something that you believe in. And then you have to stray from your morals, stray from your your principles in order to continue to invest. And, you know, as for those that don't, don't know kind of how that business works, you get a percentage of the assets you manage at any one time over the course of the year. We were getting 2% on $300 million. So this wasn't like, we were shutting down a you know ten thousand dollar a month you know business. We had created something of size, and you know our principles took precedent. Our moral fiber was quite frankly just too too tight and, and you know too strong uh, to deviate from that. So uh, I regrettably hit basically send on over three hundred million dollars of capital in late two thousand seven uh, and just walked away. And so it's still one of the hardest decisions, but uh, some kind of people view it as almost kind of clairvoyant. But quite frankly, you know, you, after you've done something for so long, you know when patterns emerge and you know when they don't look right, and it just didn't feel right to us. So we, we did the prudent decision thing at that point, as, as painful as it was uh, for, us, for us personally.
1: That's huge, man. And like, you know, obviously uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. but looking back on that, when you pulled the trigger, when you did, it was that, that was the time to pull the parachute, man. So that, that's incredible. Talking about patterns in the market, parlaying that question now into today, what patterns do you see that are similar and what patterns do you see that are different to today's climate versus what happened in that 2008 crash?
0: Yeah so as we sit today you know obviously in the headlines in the last couple of weeks you know chat gpt has been you know dominating the idea of the, the the rise of ai and things like that you know my the story i just shared was kind of 2003 2004 up to about 2007. at that time you know technology had just started to really permeate the investment business but as we stand today, you know, there's Bloomberg GPT now. So imagine, <laughs> if you will, trying to be an investor, you know, with uh, you know all the the resources that you have available to you, competing against a machine that can take every bit of financial available data to make a decision. Um, so I think what's happening is there's going to be two camps that will emerge, and, and this has always been I call it kind of the barbell uh, strategy or the barbell phenomenon. There are traders, investors, and I think anyone who makes a trade and turns it into investment is going to get killed, and anyone who makes a long-term investment and evaluates it in the short term or medium term is going to get really di- is going to be disappointed. And the reason for that is I think, as investors, we are now playing short-term games against much more powerful ally, uh, you know, adversaries. Like if I'm trying to trade the market today, I'm competing against effectively a chat GPT level, if not more uh, powerful, you know, set of set of players. And I just don't think most people can compete against that. So then you say, well, where do you go? And I think you get off of the places where technology gives gives others an unfair advantage. I think real estate is a great place to be. Uh, you know, it's a, it's disconnected from the idea of, you know, someone being able to complete compete simply on information. And I think you know the Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, you know, Berkshire Hathaway model will continue to exist, which is over long periods of time. I think investors can still take advantage of you know compound interest and and the time value of money and things like that. So, you know, definitely right now, I'm taking a long-term view. I don't know what'll happen today, tomorrow, uh, the next day, but you know, I'm certainly looking at, you know, where do I think things are going to be, you know, 10, 20, 30 years in the future. And and when you take that time horizon off, I think the the decisions become a little less scary.
1: I think that that's really smart. I heard you talking about that on another podcast as well. And I I just quoted you on a podcast I just did about jujitsu because I, I took that same analogy of like, when you look at this as this isn't like a today thing, this isn't even tomorrow thing. This is, I want to train and be healthy for the next five, 10, 15 years. You stop looking about potentially like winning every battle. And now like, maybe I gave it all because I really wanted to win a round or a fight today but now I can't train for the next four or five, six months, or I got an injury that's not going to heal for the next two, three, four years. And it allows me to be able to like pass on maybe tough days that I go, you know what, this is just one of those days where I don't need to be there today and go hard because like what, what I'm going to put out today is going to hurt me. And I think when you look at your business like that too, and it's like, okay, well, I don't need to win today and be rich tomorrow. I can literally look at this as a bigger plan. And I think when you look at it like that, you don't have to be as caught up because the stress of like looking day to day, like, What's happening with my real estate prices? Whether it goes up and down, history has taught us that real estate's been really forgiving over time. Like there's never been a time that it's gone down and didn't bounce back. So I think that that long ball is going to play a lot of people right in this market. Um, I also think that it's important to look at the information here. So you mentioned ChatGPT and a lot of the stuff here. Do you think that this is going to play a difference? And, you know, I looked back at like the 2008 crash and I didn't have all these like Facebook groups and and masterminds and like connecting on Zooms and stuff like we have now. And I think that there wasn't enough information. So people didn't make a lot of moves because they weren't as easily informed as they are now. Mm -hmm. And my, you know, just a guess, I don't have a crystal ball, but I look at it as now people are like birds. We have connections. Everybody's doing something. Something's, an election or something's going to pop up. And I feel like the second one person changes direction, everybody will. So even if things go south, I, I feel like the timeline of how long it takes to bounce back is probably going to be half of what it was last time. And to me, that that gets exciting. Um, What are your thoughts on how the availability of information today is going to change the way the market kind of shifts short or long term?
0: Yeah, I, and I think just to follow up on your point of kind of staying in the game, as an entrepreneur, I think that is the, I think you bring up a really good point. That is like the cardinal rule. Any decision you make, I mean, you've, you've I mean, we've probably both experienced those folks that are like, I'm going all in on this idea. And they'll lever their house. They'll put, they'll <laughs> put all the chips, right? You know, most entrepreneurs, it's usually not the first idea, right? It might not even be the second idea, or the third idea. But at some point, if you continue on, just like the training analogy, you know, If you compound those experiences, you compound the information, you compound the progress over time, you will reach, you know, some level of mastery or some goal that you have out there. Right. And I think that relates to to the question about, you know, kind of, we have so much information. I think the downside of that is you kind of get uh, this kind of singular thinking that can be both. Uh, paralyzing uh, uh, and misdirecting for some. So for example, if everyone's thinking the same thing, then everyone's going to make the same decisions. Outside returns come from breaking from the pack. So I I, I, I look at it as to say, not just access to information, but kind of how do you analyze the information? What information are you seeking out to make a decision that is right for you that is not necessarily the popular decision? Because I think what we're going to see is there's going to be much more of this kind of crowd mentality. I mean, look at look at NFTs and and crypto to some extent. You know, just because Jake Paul, you know, somebody says go buy this token, uh, or this project. FTX, great example. Every, you know, people piled in just because Tom Brady got paid some fictitious amount of money to you know back something, right? doesn't mean put your life savings in, in something like that. You have to do your own, you have to think for your own uh, self, but the amount of information I think is the more important part. The information is out there. You just have to be kind of asking the right questions. And I think the opportunities will come when you, when you strike from the pack, where are those, those areas where, you know, somebody might not be buying real estate right now. And I think maybe, maybe you're not flipping as much, but you're taking a long-term view as an example. Maybe that's the the balance that you feel like you have to strike because you can't play a short-term game. Right. Cause I don't, you know, I don't know what's going to happen in the next you know, 30, 60, 90 days, but I can tell you right now, you know, some of the places that I'm looking at real estate, for example, especially multifamily, you know, they're going to be here 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the line. Maybe you buy now, you don't have as much competition. You refinance when it makes sense. That feels practically like, kind of practical to me, whether you can buy something, put, you know, Put fifty grand into it and flip it for a hundred thousand dollar profit. I have no idea, and I think that's the game where uh, the the sh- the closer to that proverbial sun you play, the more risk you're taking. And I prefer to take lower risk, bigger plays over the long term.
1: I love that man. And uh, you know, two two more things just to kind of parlay off of that question as well. What you're working with investors and businesses now. A lot of people get stuck in like, but this is what I want to do, and this is how I want to do it, and mm-hmm. they just keep like. It's almost like jujitsu where I just keep pushing and pushing and pushing for the same thing. And then like the guy has to go, look, man, it's it's not working, like pull back and reset. But people don't want to do that. Well, I've already started going so far down this lane. And I think being able to pivot in business is really where fortunes are made and lost as people get bullheaded instead of being a little bit open minded. So. You being somebody who's constantly working with new businesses or or existing businesses and figuring out how to make them fire on on cylinders, is that a conversation you have a lot with business owners of like really having to like reinvent stuff or let an old way of doing something go out? Because that's not an easy mental change for human nature.
0: Yeah. So I think everyone's probably heard of, and if you've ever tried to get like a bank loan for a business, the first question you're going to get is where's your business plan? And I think this I, this concept of I'm going to be able to sit at a computer and tell you the step by step narrative of what the next 36 months looks like, the next 60 months looks like. It's just it just doesn't exist. It sounds good in practice, and it helps the the writing process will help flesh out your thinking. But business isn't like it. You don't just start it and go, okay, well, I did step one. Now I'm on to step two. It just that's a fictitious way that this kind of all happens. The best way to do it, and, and software is a great example. If you go back 20 years, these large, you know, software companies, they'd spend, you know, years and years and years building something, and then all of a sudden it would be, you know, and now it's released. Hopefully, you didn't miss the time where that piece of software actually, you know, uh, was relevant. Maybe, and hopefully, it meets the criteria of what people want. Today, what they do is, what is the smallest version I can create? and test and i think if you as an entrepreneur take a testing methodology like a testing approach rather than a i'm going to go figure it all out and then go tell people what i've built for example i you know I, I i own gyms for a long time it's really easy to go like i am the best gym for or i created this thing because everybody wants it well if nobody's buying the market's telling you the answer And in investment world, there's a concept that says, you know, the market can be wrong longer than you can stay liquid. And what that means is your opinion, quite frankly, doesn't matter when the market is telling you differently. So I encourage the folks that I work with to say, okay, what is the thing we're testing? Because a product is a series of tests or positive tests and positive reinforcing tests. So if I think we are going to create a, you know, I have an iPad, so I believe that you know a larger iPhone is is the way to go. So, what is the cheapest thing we can do? All right, we're going to take a laptop and saw the the keyboard <laughs> off and hand it to someone and go. If you had this, what would you do with it? Is it valuable? Is it not valuable? Whatever it might be. Um, so, I would encourage folks to to really look at it and to say because I think there's this idea of a, a fear of failure or you know the ego or the uh, you know the 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 mental hit that. Trying something that "quote unquote" doesn't work—that you've, oh, I poured my heart and soul into this, and and nobody wants it. Well, for you, the business to solve problems, and the more you can solve an existing problem, allows you to test further, faster, and be able to build something that is relevant for the market. So take kind of a a bite-sized approach rather than a, you know, we'll figure it out and then tell the market what we what we created.
1: If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate soon, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Reach out to me on any Of my social media channels, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. I love that man. I think that that's outstanding, especially like in a time now where I've heard you use the term that there's always opportunity and volatility, and it's like that famous Warren Buffett quote of like, "Be greedy when people are fearful, and fearful when people are greedy." Fortunes are made and lost in a transitioning market, but I feel like that comes from people trying to make moves based on not having systems and processes in place. And and that's what I tell everybody is like, yes, you can make a lot of money when the market's transitioning, but you better have some training wheels and some safety nets and go to somebody that actually knows what they're looking at, because there's so many people that got on over the last five or six years that couldn't lose, and they don't really know... How to how to act when things get tough, and I think that that's where somebody like you comes in. That's already been through that downturn, has already seen that, and they know how to play that right. And I think when you can make the right moves at quote unquote the wrong times, mm-hmm. it's it's such a fantastic opportunity. And and I've I've seen that you help people with the things that everybody looks for, one, accelerating time, two, eliminating the learning curve, and three, reducing the cost of expenses, expensive mistakes, which we've all made. So how do I make more money with less risk in a shorter amount of time? That's what everybody wants. And I think that, like you said, there's a pro and a con to that, that if they go too big too soon, too fast, too hard, and they don't know what they're doing, they're going to, like fighting. You, you can knock somebody out, but anytime you do that, you're in a position to be knocked out. When you have something safe, like learn how to keep your guard up, I feel like that this is going to be the difference between the people that survive and the people that don't is having some sort of black belt or reference point for somebody who knows how to keep them from really taking the beatings that they can't recover from in this market. And if you can do that the right way, you're in good shape. So I'd love to hear some of the things you do right now working with new businesses and entrepreneurs to limit the risk of the downside in an evolving market.
0: Yeah, so I think the biggest thing is this again, the first is time frame. So if it's, I have to make, everybody wants to make, you know, I'm going to be a millionaire in the next six months. Yeah. Well, just by saying it that way, I can almost guarantee that you're not going to be just because your, your mentality, your, your mindset, I mean, talk about kind of martial arts, right? You know, your mindset is everything. And you're, you if, if you feel like I'm just going to go in and, and kind of power through, you're probably going to lose. You're going to get your ass handed to you, right? You have to be strategic and, and pick your spots and, and understand what you're, what game you're playing. So the entrepreneurs that i work with most of the time they have an idea of what they where they want to go and so i work with them to say okay here's the destination and that might be 3 years out it might be 5 years out it might be 20 years out let's put a plan in place that kind of walks us down that path and every 3 months or so i do 90 day sprints so in the next 3 months what is the step that we need to take to move forward and if you're brand new it might be I need to create a Facebook group, and I need to find people who are in kind of my, my target customer, and I need to send out 500 messages to them to say, hey, my name's Nick, I'm thinking about doing XYZ, I notice that you're in such an industry, I'd love to spend 10 minutes just to see if you know what your thoughts are. The interviewing process is, a, if you have not, if you're starting, start with interviewing people who look like the person you want to sell to, and you will learn a lot. So I try to do as much of the learning earlier in the process. Um, so we put again together 90-day sprints, and we just say, in the next three months, what do we need to accomplish? We usually limit it to one or possibly two key uh, initiatives. I think people do too many things in a short amount of time, and they get distracted. So now we're focused on what I term the right next thing. So what is the one lever I need to pull today to move the business forward in the next 90 days? And I think there's this idea of I have to do everything all at once. When you actually break it down, typically there is one decision that solves all the other decisions. So what that might look like, especially if you're new or or just starting out or even feeling stuck. I mean, how many businesses, I mean, I was in this position where you feel like you're plateaued. You know. Revenue isn't growing, you know, what's not, every time I work harder, I feel like I'm in quicksand, you know, I work harder and I fall further back, you know, that, that proverbial treadmill mentality, it's like, well, what do I actually need to do? Maybe the metric is I need to uh, maximize the number of offers that I make in the next 90 days because I need to increase sales, I need to see maybe it's a selling process issue, maybe it's a fit issue, maybe, like I can at least find out, I can do a little bit of diagnostic while being out in the marketplace. And so, you know, I think that's great first step. If you're not sure what to do, go talk to your customers and or go talk to the people that look like who should be your customer. And think of the number of conversations you wanna have and think how quickly can I do that number of conversations. I need to talk to a hundred people that look like me. Great, how quickly can you book a hundred calls? Do them 20 minutes at a time, clear your calendar, nothing's more important. Because until you know that, you can't make any other decision, right? So I think I just look at, I, I view my role as to say, I try to like look around the corners, but I also try to encourage folks, I, it's addition by subtraction. Let's get rid of all the other stuff you don't have to worry about right now. And what is the one thing we need to do? And if we do this one thing and we do it well, it will then unlock the next thing. I grew up playing video games. It's very simple, <laughs> like you know what I mean. It's, it's simple, but not easy. And I think a lot of cases we don't even know the game we're playing. And when I work with a lot of folks who, you know, they just come in, they're like, "This." If I had just known this process or had this framework or had you kind of by my side, I would have, I would have saved myself years. And time is money. So I wouldn't have opened that business. I wouldn't have invest. I wouldn't have hired the software guy for two hundred and fifty grand. I wouldn't have blown all of that kind of stuff. It really does, uh, you know, come back to uh, as a as a huge benefit, obviously for for anyone who can find a mentor or someone who's been there before.
1: I think that that's awesome, man. And you kind of doubled up on the question. My follow up question was going to be about planning out long term. Like I think it's it's yeah. it's very hard with the way the world is today and technology is today, and all these unknowns for really figuring out like, how do I plan out like five, 10, 15, 20 years? Cause the chances are, it's going to look a whole lot different than you think it is today. So that 90 day sprint thing I think is is so good, even for the people who I feel like it's, it's a long enough time that you can see a result, but it's a short enough time that you, you don't lose interest. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. uh, parling to the next thing we talk about is delayed gratification is people want re- results. Now. I feel like 90 days is realistic to be like, look, you can like, you're not going to go to the gym and be jacked tomorrow, but in 90 days you can start to see that you're losing some weight Mm -hmm. and you're starting getting some tone or you have more energy. Like that's awesome. And then you build off that momentum and you build off that momentum. And I I think that that's like a really huge thing to have those, those points. And to, again, pick those one things. If anybody didn't take that away of like, just decide on that one thing that's going to make your business. And that could be adding something or taking it away. Is there any tips you have of people that are going, well, like, what should I do? Like, what's the, so let me, let me, let me put this into two things. New businesses or new entrepreneurs starting out and they go for the next 90 days, I'm having trouble trying to figure out like, what, how do I even figure out like what decision that is to make my business better? Let's start with that one and say like, what would your advice be for even figuring out what that is? And then I'm also going to then go and back that up to a two-part question or for somebody who's already in an existing business and they're already doing well, but now they want to go to the next level. So how do they figure out like what to focus on or what to look at to even decide what that 90-day sprint's focus should be?
0: Sure. So let's take an example for a new business. Uh, Let's just say I have, I've had a little bit of experience in real estate and I have an idea for a a new property management app. So I know a little bit about real estate. I could sit here and say, I'm going to go build an app. And because I know a little bit about real estate, I can say, you know, I know some of the, you know, the, the, the pain points are, You know, uh, when a tenant needs something, I don't want them to call me or text me or email me, like I'm management of inflow of of things that, you know, tasks that I need to do. Uh, If I just had an app, uh, they could just go on the app and then it would all get, you know, figured out and all that kind of stuff. And I think I can charge, you know, 50 bucks a month for it. And it's going to cost me a hundred grand to build. Let's just say you go out and build it. And then you hear crickets in my market. You'd probably hear that for a number of reasons, but let's just say you do it and you find out you've wasted time, you wasted money. What I would do instead is I would go to every property management, you know, every uh, landlord I can find, every local real estate investor and say, hi, my name's Tim. I have an idea that will help you fill in the blank problem, you know, address your fill in the blank problem by fill in the blank, you know, solution. Um, If I created something like this, would that be valuable for you? And then you just shut up and listen. And they will tell you the answer. And they're like, well, you know, my actually my biggest pain point isn't actually task management. It's actually, you know, managing the financial side or whatever the thing is. Like, oh, I didn't think about that. Like, okay. Then you would say, well, what is the, if I did that problem, if I did that for you, you know, hey, Nick, you're the, you're the owner of the building. If I handled all of that for you, manually just start. I'll do it for free. Can you give me the next, can you give me a three month window to, te- to, to take that process on? Oh yeah, sure. You're gonna do work for free by all means and solve wow. my problem. That sounds awesome. Then you learn the issues that are at hand. And then you're like, cool. After 90 days of doing this day to day, you'll learn what the problems are and what the solutions are. Then you go, oh, I built this, uh, you know, Excel spreadsheet to help you with that. Can you go use it for three months or 30 days or a week or whatever the time frame is? And then let me know what you think free. Oh my God, this was amazing. And if it only did this, this, and this, it would be 10 times more, you know, value. Now you've basically built your business. You didn't go and say, here's your problem. Here's your solution. You're building it more in a collaborative way. And that's what I would encourage people to do. It takes a little bit of, you got to get over your nerves of like talking to people. If that's, uh, you know, fear or even saying, I don't have an answer. I think we're we're conditioned to have answers all the time. I think if you just go, go with open-ended questions. Hey, Nick, I'm an entrepreneur and young guy. And I think if this is a problem that I think you have. Here's how I think you could solve it. Or how do you think you could solve it? And then build what people tell you and do it as small as you can and then build from there. And great business, I mean, Amazon started as a bookseller. So their vision was, we're going to create, you know, this online store. I'm a, I, I think one of the best books I've ever written uh, was by Tony Shea, who was the founder of Zappos, oh, and yeah. his whole thing, his whole reason for being was, we're going to win on customer service. Say we're going to go sell shoes, we're going to be a where customer service wins for seven billion dollars. So you have to. Think about what business you want to be in. and to to the point you made was like, well, markets change. Common things that are that are common you know consistent throughout time. health, wealth, you know, well uh, care, you know, the, the context, community, you know there are some things that you can look back and go, well, okay, well, how could how does my business tap into these things? you know and and so that's what I've encouraged folks to do. If you're stuck, you already have customers. Find your top 10% of your customers, 20% of your customers. And I actually did a a piece on this last week. If you have not spoken to those people in the last six months, you're missing the boat. Come up yourself and say, hey, just want to check in, see how everything is going. Number one, I just, God, I'm so thankful. I appreciate anything else I can do for you? What, how's business? How's whatever it might be. And in the fitness industry, th- what what that looked like for us was we were a gym, but I called, like we would talk to our members all the time and they're like, God, I'm really struggling with, you know, staying consistent. You probably heard this narrative. Mm-hmm. Awesome. We had accountability coaches every day every day, if they needed to. That was the next problem we solved. And then it was, God, you know, we, we specialized in, in primarily women between 45, uh, 40 and, uh, and 55. And it was, you know, I, I, meal planning was a challenge. I'm busy. I'm a professional. I don't know what to do. Cool. You know, here are either at home or we had, uh, through actually gym months, we had a, a, done for you meals, which was meal delivery to your door. So like, you just have to think, what problems do you want to solve? And then don't be so pigheaded or egotistical to say you know how to solve it. Go ask the people who actually have the problem, and they'll give you the answer.
1: That's fantastic info, man. I love that on so many different levels. And you brought up another interesting uh, point here that I want to touch on. After working with so many different businesses, CEOs, entrepreneurs, is there anything you see that sticks out from the Alex or Moses of the world that you've worked with that really just shatter success and just make the names for themselves? Like, what are some things that when you meet somebody you go like that person has this or that, that I can already tell is like one of the common characteristics of some of the most successful people you've worked with
0: speed. They time is the metric that I see most people talk in. And it comes in two forms. One is the operating speed. So I'll give you, like, if we would, let's say we were in a meeting and it's like, oh, we have to do a bunch of things. People will say, oh, it's Monday, you know, hey, can you get that done by Friday? If it was, it's Monday at 2.35, can you get it done by four o'clock, by end of day? Done right now. What do we need to do? We would end meetings five to 10 minutes early and people would go execute. So if you have these mile-long to-do lists, I would encourage you to shorten your implementation, your execution cycle. Like, okay, today it's 2.30, I need to do these three things before the end of the day. And I will do all of these things by tomorrow, whatever. I'll schedule them for first thing tomorrow. I'll get them done in the next 10 minutes. Speed of execution is the same thing as like speed of testing. This iterative, like, okay, we have to build a landing page. So let's get it up by next Monday. It's, Cool. It's 2:36 right now. Let's get it done by four o'clock and we'll start running some ads to it. We'll check it in 48 hours. Three turns, three iterations done by Friday before anyone's even launched theirs. So that was one of the most eye-opening things, and it has fundamentally changed my life because I think I you it's like lifting, right? You're like, I think I'm pretty strong. Like, I'm you know, whatever. You go to a you go to a place where like people actually know how to lift, and you're like, I barely scratched the surface. Yeah, my yeah. wife's a tri. My wife's a triathlete. I'm like, I can run, I can swim, I can bike, but you look at some of these Ironman triathletes, right? And you're like, they're on a different level. They something they do something different than my brain can even like how I evaluate my own my, my view on this. They just change the metrics, and he w- he definitely was one of those people for me. So it's speed of execution. And the second is time horizon. We weren't talking in, we were talking about what we could get done today, but it wasn't like what we could achieve today. It was all behavioral driven, not outcome driven. So like it was never let's build a 10, 20, 30, $50 million company. It was how do we execute the behaviors of a successful company as quickly as we can. John Wooden is uh, the UCLA coach. You might be familiar with uh, some of his stuff. You can't go out on a. Like, imagine if you went as a coach of a basketball team, and said, "Today we're going to go practice winning." Look at you! Like, what are you talking about? You can't practice all the outcomes. What do you do? You practice, you know, free throws. You practice shooting. You practice deep. You practice the behaviors that will lead to the outcome. And the most successful people that, and this is not unique to me, it's like the most successful people out there right now are married and gain energy from the behaviors. The outcome is just what happens along the way. It's the same reason why you go, well, why does a billionaire keep going? Money, all that, because it's not about the money. Work hard, you can use, but Mark Cuban gets up in the morning, not because he has X billion dollars. He gets up in the morning because he's like, I am damn good at what I do and I'm going to beat the next guy. And that drive is behavioral driven, not outcome driven. And if you're outcome driven, you're going to lose because I'll win all day, every day, because I won't stop the behaviors, which is the same reason why if you try something and it doesn't work down by that, I'm fed by that. I just learned one more thing. It's a testing round. It's a, it's a step on the path to, I just know I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing and wherever it takes me, I, I feel pretty confident that if I stick to the day-to-day, I'll win the game.
1: Man, that was such a good answer. That was uh, better than I expected. You, you gave me some things that, that I need to take away for sure that I was like, yeah, I'm going to clip that. That, that, was, that was really good info right there. And you touched on a uh, coach at UCLA. You, sir, being an athlete yourself, I believe you were on the road team?
0: I was. I was a rower, yes.
1: That's awesome, man. I always like to ask athletes, what type of things did you learn from being an athlete or from athletics in general that translated into business?
0: So rowers just by, just cause it's what I know, uh, are, are a little bit of an odd breed because you're like <laughs> up at four o'clock in the morning, it's freezing cold. You're on the water, the whole nine yards. Interesting thing about rowing. And there's kind of two forms. There's like, everybody's probably seen like an indoor rowing machine. The guy at the time that had the fastest kind of score on an indoor rowing machine was a lumberjack from, I believe it was Scandinavia. And he was like 300 pounds of solid muscle. The the testing 2000 meters on on an indoor rowing machine was kind of the standard. And he had the fastest time out of anybody in the world at the time, 300 plus pounds. When you put that guy in a boat, actually hurt the boat rather than help them because the difference is when you are in a rowing shell, it is both the power you can generate, but you also have to carry your own weight. So it's not just the skinniest guy. It's also not the strongest, the heaviest guy. It's not, it's this power to weight ratio. And what I learned through that experience was like, it actually doesn't really, you can be the big guy on land, but if you can't carry your own weight, you're going to get cut. So every experience that I've had since then, especially in the corporate environment, has been how do I more than carry my weight? So for anyone who is either doing their, you know, kind of on in business on their own or even you know, work for somebody else. I always took that as a as very very seriously as kind of my charge was I should always do more than what I need to do. And I think it's boded well for me as an entrepreneur because it's like if I'm going to give value, I'm going to give 100 times the value. Not just like if I charge a dollar, I got to give a dollar. This is the you know if I if I charge a dollar, I damn well better give, you know, 10, 25, 50 bucks in return because I have to carry my own weight. And so that was one of the biggest things that I learned as uh, as a rower specifically. And then it's just, just the dedication. Uh, you know, you mentioned judicial. it's like, great, you had one practice, congratulations. <laughs> like, it's a day to day, yeah, I mean, it's like, you, I can see it on your face, like, oh yeah. It's like, just cause you came in today doesn't mean tomorrow changes. It is a dedication to the path rather than like, congratulations, we had a good practice today, we're done. There is no done.
1: Yep. I love that, man. That That's fantastic advice as well. And I think another thing that you bring to the table, like when we talk jujitsu and stuff like that, like I, I feel qualified to give advice because I've done it for 15 years and I, yeah. I can see the long ball. So when like the new guys come in, it's like, dude, it's not about that day. Like, this is how you get to black belt. This is how you have like a, a long career and a long life in this. And I think you point out a bunch of times that like you've walked in an entrepreneur's shoes before. And there's a lot of guys, I remember there there's times that I've gotten, you know, I get, calls all the time from like hey do you want to grow your business of course i do and they go well we have x y and z and then i go well <laughs> tell me about like what have your business coaches done and like well they don't actually do real estate and they haven't even done this but like they're trained to help you and their students have gotten these results and i'm like i get it that they've gotten other people the results but they don't know how to talk to the person like to relate to them because they haven't actually been there they haven't actually done it matt sarah my jiu-jitsu coach has had a famous uh, fight with this guy that they were talking and the guy was criticizing a bunch of fighters. And he goes, man, you're like a swimming instructor who's never been in the water. Like you what you're saying is it isn't actually how it is. And you don't know that because you've never done that. And I think the fact that you have and you've had to make the tough decisions and you've had to murk the Rocky, the Rocky waters really is a blessing to work with somebody like you who actually knows what the average daily mental, physical, financial struggles are of somebody who builds and runs a successful business. So I'd love to hear about how you have helped – With your past experiences, now how are you helping new investors, or current investors, or businessmen or entrepreneurs, CEOs scale up their business and limit those bumps and bruises?
0: Yeah, so uh, it's like the idea of like, imagine if you read a book, you know, when you get punched in the face, then do this. (laughs) Sounds ridiculous, but it's like if you haven't been punched in the face before, you you can't. It's not it's not something you read in a book, right? So, I think uh, as far as kind of the work that I do right now, it comes in a bunch of a, a couple of different forms. but primarily, I work on kind of three general areas, which is pricing, product, and positioning. And the reason that those three are kind of central, it's because it is where like cash flow comes from. it's it streams out of that. Um, I do help people raise capital when it's appropriate. Most people don't actually need to raise money to do whatever they want to do. That is a big fallacy. Everybody looks at Shark Tank and it's like, I have an idea, let's go raise money. Like, <laughs> don't, please don't do that. And if I'm, I can guide you along the way, but um, when it's appropriate, I help people raise capital. And lastly, the idea of kind of selling a business is quite foreign to most people. And the process, it's like uh, staging your house. You wouldn't generally say like, just in a normal course of a day. And then at that night go, okay, I'm going to sell my house and list it the next day and have people walk through, right? There's a process that you're like, okay, I have to declutter. I have to paint. I have to do all those things. A business is the exact same thing because from my perspective, I know what the buyer is going to be looking for. And so we go through a process to say, okay, if we want to maximize the outcome, like the value of the business, what does it need to look like? In many cases, the next thing that happens is there's two primary issues. The first is they don't have a team or their team is insufficient to kind of show the business is stable. And the second is their customer retention is usually pretty poor. And when a buyer wants to pay, if you want a buyer to pay maximum, the biggest number possible, the maximum multiple, so generally it's a amount of money you make in a year times a certain number, if you want that number to be as big as possible, you have to show that you've reduced the risk of failure to such a point that you're willing, that that you're able to, or or worth paying that, that top dollar for. So one way to do that is the team. The other way to do that is to say, if we get a customer, they stay forever. And what that looks like a lot of times, especially today, is... You know, imagine if you got a if you got somebody, they stayed for a month and they left. At your your product's hundred dollars a month. So you generate a hundred bucks and they leave. And then you walk to an investor and say, I can acquire memory customers for five dollars and they'll make me a hundred bucks. The next question they're gonna say is, well, why are they only staying for a month? The right way to answer that question is not that how little I can spend to get my money back and it's a hundred bucks. That's not actually the point. In most cases, it's, I can spend a thousand dollars because they're going to spend a hundred bucks a month for the next five years because I'm, the, the product is so sticky. So we work on trying to, again, use price, uh, product and positioning to have high lifetime value. So low churn, which means people are leaving at a very, very low rate, um, and then we work on referrals as well. So the, the the golden idea here is, if your existing customers can refer enough people to replace anyone who wants to leave, you never have to market a day in your life. Huh. And I think we are currently sitting in a place where it's always, let me just run another ad, let me do another funnel, let's do another paid thing. I believe in product-led marketing. If your product is as good as you think it is, you should be able to get people to buy, they should stay, and they should bring at least two friends. If you get that business humming and that then gives you the ability to hire the team, you will have a very, very valuable business. And so I'm trying to build longevity and, and capital appreciation. That is wealth building, not just a... You know, we make a sale for to make a sale. That's so a it's a fundamental you know, shift for for a
1: lot of folks. That's awesome, man. That's incredibly valuable, obviously to me, but for people listening, and especially the people that are listening now that are CEOs, entrepreneurs, business owners, who should be reaching out to you for help? Like, what what types of businesses? What types of entrepreneurs? What level of experience are you looking for that people can reach out yeah. to you and work with you?
0: Yeah. So I. I view myself only as like a uh, Not to use a gal- Godfather analogy, but uh, I am kind of. The, I view myself as the trusted number two. I was Alex's number two at Jim launch. It's a position I've now held with uh, uh, two billionaires, uh, and I've worked with, with a third. Uh, so I view my kind of secret, uh, or or my uh, position to be uh, any uh, CEO, business owner, founder, independent. Generally, I work with uh, service-based businesses and technology. Great. Uh, based businesses, anything that is in the services industry, particularly, is uh, is a great fit for me. Um, and if you are like, I really wish I just had someone to talk to, a sounding board, someone to help kind of organize my thoughts and be able to lead the team. That's a, a, a my perfect uh, 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 referral would be would be someone who fits that criteria. That's and awesome. size, you know, five hundred thousand dollars a year or more in revenue um, is generally is generally the folks that I. Uh, that I engage, have, have as an engagement, but if you're new, uh, and we can talk about, you know, I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, just shoot me a DM, uh, with the word Nick. <laughs> and I'm happy to, I'm happy to give you some, uh, some guidance, uh, free of charge. So I just, I, I really am passionate about kind of helping the next crop of entrepreneurs, uh, hopefully reduce the the level of mistakes and, and shorten that learning curve for everyone.
1: Well, I appreciate it, man. And I think speaking for myself, I, I don't know anybody that I talk to in any of my masterminds, any of my students and anybody in general that doesn't wish they had somebody that they could just go to as a voice and yeah. reason for business, because they tend to go to their friends and family who don't understand business, don't understand any of that kind of stuff. So they they lean on the wrong people to get advice, and that really never works out right. So having somebody that's almost like a business guidance counselor or grief yeah. counselor for when things happen, <laughs> I, I think it's a massive, massive thing. Just like you said, have that soundboard. So I very much appreciate it, sir. I think you bring a, a huge value to the industry. And I think everybody can benefit from working with somebody like you. And I appreciate you having having you on and having you come on today and share your experiences. I'm always on board to talk to anybody who's a good friend of William Braddon and Naked Warrior Recovery. He's a good friend of the show, but more importantly, a Long Island boy. Well, I agree. That's Before right. I even knew you were coming on here, man. So it's very exciting to see somebody that's built such a, an amazing track record for themselves, a great reputation, and had the success coming from humble beginnings on Long Island, New York, where I am too, man. So it, it's been an absolute pleasure for people listening. Um, Obviously, you in the show notes, I'll have everything that they can click on you. They can work with you. They can connect with you if they want to see how you guys can work together. I know you said Instagram, Facebook. Um, Did you drop like what you're... I'll put it in there, but what how do they find you again? What's the tag?
0: Yeah, in, in Instagram Tim.Kalise uh, and and same thing on Facebook, uh, and then my uh, website is Tim Calise. That's T-I-M-C-A-L-I-S E.com. Uh I have a phenomenal group of uh, entrepreneurs that are kind of in my community. Uh, I send out information multiple times a week. So if you're like, I just need a little bit of tidbits of here and there, uh, get on the get on that in that group. Uh, if you go to timcalise.com, uh it's right there in my VIP section. So just shoot. Put your email in there and uh, and I'll send some nuggets your way.
1: I appreciate it very much. So you obviously bring your A game to everything you do. And this interview has been no different. You definitely brought your A game to this podcast today. And I very much appreciate it, sir. Before I let you go about your day, any final thoughts before we turn you loose?
0: No, I just know that I remember the moment when I was laying in bed, staring at my ceiling fan, wondering how the hell I'm going to explain to my family that I bet our family future on a business. So If you are out there and you're thinking about a business, if you have your existing business and you're like, it's just not going the way that I want it to. I just want to let you know that the future is, can be brighter than the present. There are people that are here that can help you. And if there's anything I can do, please reach out to me. Uh, We as entrepreneurs are a different breed. It means that 95% of the population doesn't understand you. They don't understand us but know that there are people that do understand you. You just haven't found them yet. So stay the course uh, and uh, uh, there is an answer. Come find somebody like myself who can help uh, help guide you.
1: Wise words. So I very much appreciate it. You're welcome back on any time. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for coming on today. Tim Cleese, ladies and gentlemen, have a great day. Thank you, Nick.